It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. If you'll turn with me today in your Bibles to Judges. Actually, let's go to Hebrews first. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at an individual that I, I don't think I've ever heard preached on. His name is Jephthah. Jephthah. Is that, is that not a cool name? I love those old biblical names. Jephthah and Obadiah. And I just love, I love those names, you know. In the early days of the country, men were named those names. You, you didn't run across a man hardly that wasn't named David or Thomas or, or Samuel or Moses even. Uh, you know, the, one of the, the men who gave land for this church to be built a long time ago was named Moses, Moses Simpson. But I love those old biblical names, David, Nathan. You know, I, I just love those names. They bespeak God and God among his people and God using his people. So I just think Jephthah is a cool name. The only person that I know of this named Jephthah is one of Phil Robertson's sons, Jephthah Robertson, you know, the bearded duck hunters from Louisiana. Fine folks in my book, but uh, I just think that's a cool name, Jephthah. So we're going to look at this man today. He was one of the judges of Israel during the time of the judges when they were leaving the tribal system and beginning to slowly form their nation under God's leadership and God's purpose in, in Israel. So there was a time of the judges where there were men who were called, who mediated disputes and who heard from the people and who made decisions to go to war against their enemies. They had a lot of responsibility. And we know that probably the two main judges, you know, Gideon and uh, Samson are the two that really come to mind, but there were others. There was Barak, there was Jephthah, there were, were several others that even at this point I don't know that much about, but God called them and used them for a reason. So we're going to look at Jephthah today, his story uh, from reject to requested. From reject to requested. And his story is the human story. You know, we all sit in here today and we are, we are products of how we were raised. We are, we are affected emotionally. We're affected mentally. How we act, how we view the world on how we were raised. Not only that, but we're also affected by what traumas we went through as a child or as a young person, the loss of a loved one. With all that affects us, it shapes us. How people talk to us, how how people, how forgiving are people to us? It all affects us, and it affects our children. You know, it's a it's a generational thing, and and there's nobody here that we know we've been affected by good and bad. We know that we have, uh, you know, struggle through things. We all are human. We all are in that boat. You know, there were, there's a lot of things I would do differently if I could go back a few years raising my children. There would be things I would do different financially that I made mistakes on. There would be a lot of things that I would do differently. And I don't think anybody here, if we were being honest, would say, well, I don't think I would change a whole lot. I would. I'm thankful for what God has done but we make mistakes along the way. We are, a, we, are, we are shaped by our circumstances. We are shaped by our experiences. We are shaped by the interactions with other people. We are shaped by our jobs. We are shaped by what goes on that we can't do anything about. We're shaped by a society now that just drives me crazy, but I really just feel powerless in it sometimes. But I also remember at that point that God uses faithful men and women to great ends during, even during those trying times or during times that it seems like God is not at work. And let me tell you something, 
God is showing us that he is in control. And this kind of goes off of the sermon just a little bit, but we'll get back to it. Uh, two things has happened recently, mainly since the war started in Israel or in Gaza. Two things, and I, you've probably heard of one or both of these, that shows that God is, is right in amongst us and God is working, especially with those in high places, but also with us too. There was a, there was a member of the Turkish parliament who was up speaking, and they were condemning Israel, condemning Israel, and he called down a curse. I don't even know his name. Some guy with glasses, some Turkish man. Turkey's a Muslim nation, very powerful Muslim nation. He began to curse God, the God of Israel. He began to call down, you know, uh, terrible things on the nation of Israel. He literally gets those words out of his mouth, turns to the side, and drops dead of a heart attack on the world stage. Coincidence? God made a promise to Abraham 4,000 some odd years ago and says, I will bless those that bless you, talking to Abraham and the future nation of Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. So there's a blessing to be had if we support Israel. There is a curse to be had if we curse Israel. Right there for the world to see was God at work. And you can believe you know, what you want to believe about that, but I think God heard that and said, Remember, I'm not kidding. Those people are still mine. I'm going to redeem them one day when they finally come back, back to my son Jesus. The other one was, I don't know if you know, if you keep up with the Pope, I really don't. The Pope, uh, I can't remember his name. You know, the little fellow that wears the little beanie, white beanie around, you know, and rides around in a, in a, in a Polaris, you know, with bulletproof windows and all that stuff. The leader of the Catholic Church, and he's worshipped like a god. Uh, although uh, the office of the Pope is in the Catholic Church is a horrible thing right now. I don't care what anybody says. But he recently went on record to say that they would, the church would begin to bless homosexual unions. That they would, that's unprecedented. The Catholics have stood up against that for a long time. Okay, he's from Buenos Aires, South America. Buenos Aires is in Argentina, I believe. I may be wrong. The Pope... They believe that they fill the seat of the Saint of Saint Peter, that they are they hold his office. So they literally have a almost like a throne where they say, "Okay, this is we're carrying on in tradition of Saint Peter." Well, we know as as born again believer and as Protestants that uh, we go to the great high priest. Okay, through in, in Jesus' name we go to God through the great high priest. And uh, you know I, I don't need a I have a great a, a high priest. I don't need the Pope. I don't need somebody, I got Jesus. But going on, to, going back to what I was talking about, there is a great big statue, supposedly of what they think, stone statue of St. Peter in Buenos Aires. Okay, huge. Right there where he's from, right there, uh, you know, where, they, where he's from and he's revered. That's where he served before he was elected the Pope of the whole world or whatnot. Well, the literal, at the literal time that he was blessing, said that the Catholic Church would bless homosexual unions, which is obviously contrary to God's law, all around this statue are all these lightning rods to try to protect it. I mean, there's no way anything should happen to that statue. It was struck and damaged by lightning. That shouldn't have happened. There are lightning rods everywhere. It never happened to it before. Is God speaking there? I believe so. Because God, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you think you are. If you go against his law, there's going to be problems. There's going to be judgments. 
But also God is graceful and merciful for those who have faith in him. That's going to bring us back to the sermon. Jephthah from reject to requested. If we go over to Hebrews chapter 11 quickly, we're going to see him mentioned as Paul wrote down about faithful men and women going back to the beginning of time pretty much, or at least the beginning of the existence of the nation of Israel. If we go to Hebrews chapter 11 and we skip all the way over to verse 32, he's, Paul has, uh, talks about the many other heroes of faith. And he says, And what shall I say more of those like Gideon, of Barak, these are the judges, Barak was a judge, and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. So he basically goes in chronological order of the leaders and the great men of faith in the early days uh, of Israel. So if we go back to Judges, we're going to learn a little bit about this fellow because that's not much information, is it? If we go back to Judges chapter 11, we're going to see his time as a judge and how God used him. I tend to think of him, you can almost call him the forgotten man. A man who the world had kind of forgotten. He was born into a situation that he could not do anything about, and it cost him terrible things in his life. So in verse 1, it says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead beget Jephthah. So Jephthah was born uh, into a, to a woman uh, that his father had uh, made adultery with. She was a woman of the street. She was, as we would call it today, a prostitute. Uh, so his father, in a moment of weakness, went out, and Jephthah was conceived and born into a situation that he had no control over. You see, that's how we have to think sometimes as Christians is our decisions affect those around us. And that's what makes me so mad at myself sometimes. Some of the dumb choices I've made, I wish I could go back and fix but yet I've made those choices and I have to deal with the repercussions of those, but it affects my family. It affects those around me. It affects my church. It affects those who, who, look, who look at me, those who try to look at my life and say, well, I don't know if he's so much of a Christian. Jephthah was born into rejection and he, it wasn't his fault. Okay, he was already born into that. And in verse 2, it says, Gilead's wife bare him sons. So he had a lot of brothers that you might call in our day was legitimate, was, you know, rightfully uh, in the family, in their culture. And you got to understand their culture a little bit. The firstborn son was everything. Sons in particular. Women didn't have quite the, the value. Let's be honest that uh, they do these days. To God, they've always been valuable. We all are. God created both. But in this culture... They were seen more as a helpmate or a servant. So here we have Jephthah born out of wedlock, and then we have his, his, his brothers who were legitimate. So to start, start off, they played together like brothers. It's just tragic to see how this unfolded. They played together. Kids, they don't notice the, they don't notice skin color. Kids, you know, don't judge you based on your failures and your shortcomings. They just have a natural love. I think that's what Jesus, when Jesus said, you know, to come into my kingdom, you've got to be as a little child. That's what he was talking about. You have to have a love uh, for people and to be able to overlook shortcomings because we uh, all have them. But they begin to grow up, and as they begin to mature and understand the responsibilities 
and the culture and the weightier things of life, they begin to look at Jephthah and go, hmm, you're really not one of us. Although they had the same dad, the mothers were the same. It brought shame onto Jephthah, and Jephthah couldn't help it. I mean, he was, he was guilty of being born, you know? I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of people out there like that now. I mean, I guess we're all in his position to an extent. And then we'll see a bigger picture here. If you read on, it says, Gilead's wife bare him sons. This is verse 2 of uh, Judges 11. And his wife's sons grew up, and they threw out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit our father's house. You see, inheritance and in who you were financially was pretty much already decided based on what your father had, based on what your father had. If he, had, if he was a, a, a big farmer, a shepherd, and he had lands and he had flocks, you was going to inherit that. So you were basically almost born rich or you were born a little bit poor and you could get ahead in other ways in life. Jephthah had no hope of receiving anything, not, not just material things, but he was also attacked psychologically and rejected by his own family. Can you imagine that? He's just playing with his brothers, as kids do. They grow up, and all of a sudden, they're like, hey, man, you don't belong here. You're not one of us. Imagine what that did to him, how that shaped him, how that crushed him. But God had a plan in, all, in that circumstance, you see. Your circumstances, God still has a plan in it. I want you to know that today. Here was a man right here that had a lot of shortcomings, but God still used them. And the reason he's in Hebrews chapter 11 is simply his faith, not his flocks, not who his father was, not what he had accomplished, not how great a warrior he, that he would soon become, but his faith. So that tells me, that tells me that the only thing that matters in the end is faith. Not faith in gods that are dead, not faith in things that are material, not faith in ideas that some human comes up with, but faith in Jesus Christ. That's what matters. You're leaving here with nothing else. You're going to leave a legacy based on that faith or, or not. That's all we have. That's all we have when we leave and enter eternity is who we've trusted and who we've served and what we've done with Jesus. So Jephthah does what anybody does who's rejected, he runs away. He's, he's crushed. I mean, and, and all the psychological stuff that would go on there would have to be just unbelievable on him. It wasn't his fault, you know? And it, 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 there's a lot here to take in of who he was but what God did, so he fled. And in verse 3 it says, He fled and he went to a land called Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah. He went out and joined the rest of the rejects. He went out and joined the rest of the roughnecks, you might say. And they did it to survive, I guess. They did it to, to be able to eke out a living. They became warriors, and I'm sure they were like mercenaries at, at some points. They would do the dirty work for the rich people, you know, that they, that they wouldn't do and get paid for it. So as he began to grow and he began to work out his place in life, as hard as it was, he became a mighty warrior. He had a natural leadership ability that God would use here. When he was leading this, this band of, 
of uh, ruffians, if you want to call them that, or bandits or whatever. I almost see them like a Hebrew Robin Hood here in some ways. You know the story of Robin Hood, you know, kind of forced into circumstances he had no control over but trying to make the best of them. So he went to war and, and founded this group. Meanwhile, back among the people who ran him off and who rejected him, not just uh, one other thing here that I need to mention, when his family disowned him, he went to the elders of the community in his hometown of Tob, T-O-B, and he said, look, I need your help. I need your help. I don't have anywhere to go. I've been run off. I mean, you remember me. I'm that kid, you know, and they were like, ain't nothing we can do. Just like governments end up being a lot of the time. So he had to flee, and he ran not only from the elders, but from his family as well. And it came to pass during the time that he had run away and joined this group and became their leader, and they became great warriors. It says that the children of Ammon, another nation next to the, the nation of Israel, began to make war against Israel. They began to make war, just like what's going on between Gaza and Israel. Gaza made war on Israel. Israel went and grabbed up all their fighting men and their leaders and said, no, it's on now. So they were being ravaged by the Ammonites. They were having all these problems, and they were like, what are we going to do? Who's a great warrior? Who is the man for the hour? And it dawned on them that their only hope, finally, after probably going through a thousand options as people do in those situations, Jephthah. Oh, my gosh, Jephthah. We got to go talk to him. Now, keep, keep in mind, he'd been rejected by his family, by the, the whole town. He's the man we need. That's how we do God sometimes, isn't it? We're like, things are good, you know, things are going on, going good. We're piling up the money. We, we're piling up the possessions. We are piling up the fame and the fortune and, and uh, people knowing who we are and, you know, becoming who we think we ought to be. And then it all falls out from under us. You know, we, when we don't need God then. We don't need him. You know, we, we, we live in a world today in the American church where Jesus is just kind of there when we need him. And I'm glad he is. But until things kind of go down the tubes, until things kind of fall out from under us, the floor falls out from under us, you wouldn't know we were a Christian if you had to. But then we get sick. Or then we lose things and we say, Lord, the children of Israel did this time after time after time. They would run off to idols. They would run off to pagan gods. They would run off and sacrifice their children. And when it all ended up a pile of rubble, their lives ended up a pile of rubble, they would go crawling back to God. They went, had to go crawling back to Jephthah because they knew he was their only salvation from the Ammonites. And while I'm so glad that God takes us back, do you, really, do you ever think about how that must pain God? Doesn't it infuriate you when there's people in your life, and I've probably been this way toward other people, been in both situations, you know, you only want them around or only want to see them or talk to them if they can give you something if they can help you with a situation you've made the mess of. I've been in both situations. But how, but when you realize when you're wrong there and they accept you back and forgive you and help you again, yet again, that's being godlike. 
That's being, that, that's just a wonderful thing. That's what they had to do to Jephthah. So they went to him and they said, look, come and be our captain. This is verse 6, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, hmm, seems like I remember a little episode there where you wouldn't help me. You wouldn't help me when, you know, I was needing help. You, you didn't try to help me. Now you're crawling back. That's what we do with God. And I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be that way. I want, I want to welcome him into all places in my life. I want to become more Christ-like. I don't want to just drop in every once in a while and just to get a little, make myself feel a little bit better about myself. I want to be all in for him. And sadly, I fail at that many times. I want to, I want to be there for him. He don't need me. He don't need you. But he wants you. You believe that? God wants you. He loves you. I mean, my goodness, he sent Jesus from the throne room of heaven where all is perfection and glory and, and, and unfathomable, unspeakable beauty down here to die for the likes of me. Seems like I ought to have a little more time for God, but I oftentimes don't. It's my own fault. They, they begged him. In verse 8, they say, We turn to you now. Go with us, please, and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over the, all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, one thing about Jephthah is he was a great negotiator. That's what made him a good judge. He would negotiate. And he was, he was a survivor, so he knew how to negotiate to, if he was going to help somebody, you know, he, he needed help himself. You know, that's how we do business sometimes. Um, so moving on all the way over to verse 29, Jephthah it says, and here's the key to the whole thing. Jephthah, through all of that, through all of that rejection and the hurt and the heartbreak and his failures and even who he run with, you might say, in his group, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Jephthah had a faith in God. He had a faith in God. Now, he, he was rough. He was tough. He had flaws. He had, uh, I'm sure, an interesting personality, but he had a love for the Lord. He knew the law of his ancestors that God had given them. And it says that he passed over Gilead and Manasseh and passed over Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah to Gilead, he passed over into the children of Ammon. All those men that they had fought together and they had raided together and whatever, God was getting ready to use them to deliver his children. God works in mysterious ways, in ways that don't make sense to me sometimes and I don't understand, but that's where faith comes in. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. You see, who I am and how I think is shaped by my culture, by my family, by, you know, uh, what I see and what I read. So I have to get one-on-one -on -one with God and say, God, give me a vision of what is right and let me see what you're doing. And even if I don't understand it, God, if you're doing it, it must be good. Amen? It's got to be good. God don't do anything wrong. He don't do anything imperfectly. He don't do anything in sin. It may, be, it may not make sense to me, but I'm a flawed human. I'm a Jephthah. 
I'm an individual that is, has, has failures. I'm human. But I have faith. God has given me the ability to believe. I don't care who you are, anybody in the, in the world, they're going to trust and believe in something. For some people, it's different gods. For some people, it's objects, it's things. For some people, it's, you know, money, it's other people. I trust in Jesus. I trust in Jesus because I've seen him work time and time again. And you can't explain it. You have faith and see that that's what's going on. So Jephthah is said, now this is what gets interesting here, and we'll run into something here that kind of is interesting. It says, Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if you, he was a negotiator, if you without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then if you do that, when I get home, the first thing that comes out of my house or from my farm or from my estate, I will sacrifice to you as a burnt offering. I guess he was thinking a sheep or a ram or something like that. He was bribing God. He was making a deal with God. You don't have to do that. God has make, made the deal. You just have to submit to the deal that he made. And for us now, it's not burnt offerings. It is the offering of the lamb that is Jesus that died on the cross 2,000 plus years ago that if you will accept the free gift of salvation, you can walk out of here headed to heaven with a purpose and in the best position in life that you can possibly be in. But you see, Satan says, no, 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 that's just no preacher, that's just no Sunday school teacher, that's just no one leader. You don't, need to, you, don't, you don't need to fall victim to that. Hold on, the service will be over in an hour or two, and then you can go on and do your thing in life. That's the spiritual battle. But if you'll come to this altar here in a little bit, if you'll, if you'll just raise your hand and say, I want to be saved, I need the Lord, I want to turn back to Him, He will accept you, and you're as successful as you're ever going to be. That's success. That's getting it figured out. And when you're God's, you're his forever. Can't lose it. We run away from him sometimes, but don't he take us back? Don't he welcome us back when we make a mess of things? When we, you know, fall down and skin our knees spiritually? Just like a good daddy, he's there to say, well, I've told you. I told you that was going to hurt you, boy. Girl, I told you that was going to hurt you. And you need to think about this situation and learn from it, but come here and let me give you a hug. We're going to doctor you up. I'm going to send you out there again. You see, you're mine. And what's his is his. It's his forever. If you're his, if you're saved here today, you're his. You're his. You're his forever. No matter what happens. You're a resident of heaven. You just aren't there yet, but your ticket has been punched. Amen? Amen. Jephthah here made a deal with God. He bribed him pretty much. We don't have to do that. God just says, come. Come and, and, and come to the end of yourself, and I'll take over. I'll lead you. I'll use you. So if we read on down, he got to Ammon, and he began to fight them, and they absolutely just overcome the Ammonites. God was working. Jephthah had stood before God as the head of how many tens or hundreds of thousands of men and said, God, give me over into their hands. God listened to him. 
God heard him. God listened to him. So they completely defeated the Ammonites, preserved the nation. The Ammonites were, were so diminished that they ceased to exist almost. And it says he smote them from a place called Er to a place called Meneth, 20 cities he took. And into the plain of the vineyards there was a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. You remember that deal Jephthah made? Jephthah came to Mizpah and to his house. And behold, out of the door came his daughter. This is where the story gets interesting. I don't know if he was expecting a sheep to come out of the barn or, you know, some of his flocks to come running up to him. His only child came running out, and he had promised God, give me victory. I will sacrifice whatever comes out of the house first to you as a burnt offering. Can you imagine how devastated he must have been? Not only did he not have a son, and there's a lot here we don't know. Not only did he not have a son, but he only had one daughter. He saw his name cut off out of the land. Jephthah came, it says, and it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes. That was a sign of mourning and disappointment. And he said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you're one of the things that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.